and off you go. Hello, yes, and welcome to the Irish Abroad Show, our first of 2023. So I suppose I want to wish all our viewers and listeners a happy new year. We are back after the Christmas break. So much to dive into because so much happened over them. Two weeks of the festive period between the Christmas and New Year's weekends. And obviously the FA Cup third round, one of the most magical weekends of the English domestic calendar has just passed. And by God, it dropped its fair share of drama and upsets and plenty of Irish involvement as well. So plenty to get stuck into with myself, Ger Brown. And as always, delighted to be joined by Paul Nealon. Paul, I know we've spoken already, but still no harm to once again wish you a happy new year. And how was all keeping? Happy New Year. All is good, mate. All is good. Staying off uh, the alcohol and staying busy, staying active and, yeah, feeling good. So, yeah, it's good to see, obviously, a really, really positive week in Irish football. So, yeah, things are are quite positive at the moment. Yeah, how are you? Yeah, kind of similar to yourself in terms of uh, how I'm going about January and lifestyle. It's going to be a very quiet month. had a very good, busy, active social Christmas, but I suppose... uh, no, paying the price that little bit, but uh, as I say, like just trying to keep busy, trying to keep active in the month of, of January, get back into routine and fitness, and just kind of stay off kind of the the finer and nicer things in life. And yeah, even though while well, probably similar to ourselves, the two teams before fall in England, probably best not to talk about their recent forms in Liverpool and Everton, but very much enjoying um, the Irish players' performances. Obviously, going to talk about Evan Ferguson, but even last night as an Irish fan, I took great comfort in seeing you know, the performance of Nathan Collins and and Joe Hodge. and you know, Collins maybe made a mistake. For the first goal, I don't think it was as bad as people make out to be. I think it was just one of them rash clearances, for sure, we'll touch on. But, you know, it's brilliant to see, you know, uh, Andrew Lyons well, having a debut member, CJ Hampton scoring a cracking goal. They were all part of an upset with Blackpool. Uh, Mark McGuinness as well, probably part of one of the, the shocks of the, of the round as well. And he put in a stellar performance for Sheffield and wins. And even look down the lower tiers as well, you see Tomas o- or Thomas O'Connor scoring for Wrexham as they caused a big upset, knocking out championship. Uh, uh, commentary so it was really really good to see but I suppose the main man to talk about is is Evan Ferguson uh, I suppose this goes back to 2022 the last day of the calendar year when he came on the last half an hour I think for just his second Premier League appearance this season for Brighton against Arsenal it looked like a lost cause at the time for Brighton they were 3-0 down we were kind of joking at the time in the group chat was saying it's great from he's getting a good run here you know it's a chance for the show his case you're kind of saying well, he's only getting this because they're 3-0 down it's kind of 70 minutes but look when you're a young lad you know, this is how it comes about and it's trying about taking your chance and that's what he did by scoring a goal that evening, being involved in the goal later on, the fair enough was disallowed for VAR. He got rewarded with a start and once again took his chance with a brilliant finish, brilliant overall performance for Brighton as they bet Everton 4-1, got an assist as well. And while he starts again yesterday is um, Brighton for any way of an upset trash in Middlesbrough and in for Middlesbrough 5-1 at the Riverside. While there was no goals, he was taken off just after the hour from the little snippets I've seen on Match Today, the way they were talking afterwards from reading the reports, you know, a really, really encouraging performance again. Was well involved in the first goal. with a brilliant pass pick up Lalana, whose shot was safe. Pascal Rose tapped in for the equaliser. Yes, Ad Milana got a simple tap in for the second goal. Who was the other person there waiting to take advantage of it if it fell to him? Evan Ferguson. Getting himself in the right position, getting himself in the goal-scoring positions and also involved in the build-up as well um, to the third goal. Very, very comfortable routine performance for um for Brian as mentioned obviously he took off from where he left off the World Cup with a couple of goals as well. Okay, we're realistic, he's just gone eighteen the last kind of couple of months. He's probably not going to start every now and then in the season. He's probably gonna be on the bench more than times he starts. But it's encouraging to kind of see that hopefully between now and next May, um, he is gonna be a regular fixture in that Brighton team, whether it's off the bench or starting and come March could be giving Stephen Kenny something to think about. And as I said, 
know, again, a young lad, it's just great to see is for us as Irish fans too. Yeah, well, I think with Ferguson, obviously, yeah, it was a bit tongue-in-cheek, me in the group saying, you know, he's only going to get, uh, you know, they only bring him on because it was 3-0 down, but, like, that obviously came back to bite me. But in a way, I was hoping that that it would, you know, that he would do something. And then, yeah, yeah you know, obviously, when he came on, then there was obviously, you're looking and you're going, right, there's a level of interest here now that he's came on the pitch. And then, you know, the fact that it was a bit of a conflict of interest last week when they played Everton and obviously I support Everton for so the fact that I actually went up to my football training, which happened to be cancelled. So it was double booked. So as I went up there, um, I left and it was 1-0 to Brighton as I left. And Ferguson had started. It was his first start. So I was kind of eager to, to see how he got on. And then off the back of it, then uh, one of the lads comes over and he goes, do you want the good news or do you want the bad news? And I just knew then, I said, Evan Ferguson scored, hasn't he? And he goes, yep, do you want the bad news? It's 4-0. And uh, I think so- something that went under the radar as well, a little bit on that, is that Andrew Moran actually made his Premier League debut as well. And he's supposed to be a player that is really, really highly thought of and probably yet to see the best of him or, or you know, we've seen sprinklings of what he can do. I know he played against Aston Villa uh, in the in a like another pre-season sort of game just bef- uh, towards the end of the World Cup there for Brighton. So I think having him uh, coming in and getting experience now, I think he could be the next one who makes that breakthrough on a more kind of um, consistent level. Uh, De Zerbi seems to be very trusting in these young players and I don't know what it is, but Brighton have such a good structure that they've they've left... Like, with Potter going, De Zerbi came in, he's pretty much just picked up where Potter's left off just because the club is in such a good way in terms of their structure. Whereas you look at a club like Everton, which is all over the place and would would kill to have that bit of structure where you can bring in a manager and it doesn't disrupt everything. Whereas everything at the moment is, you know, I'd hate to be Seamus Coleman right now because I know he's trying to drive standards, but it's just, it doesn't seem to be uh, to any effect because every manager that's coming in, that that group of players have performed very poorly but when I look at Brighton and the fact that these young lads I wouldn't be surprised now if James Furlong gets a run at some point um, if he doesn't go out on loan but I know from speaking with uh, Evan Ferguson's agent that he was actually looked at going out on loan before the uh, January transfer window and then he obviously came on against Arsenal scored the goal played against Everton and I think a couple of injuries went in favour of him but that's what it is in football it's all about luck and timing Look at Aaron Connolly when he scored for Brighton. That's the, the, the time against Spurs. He took his opportunity. Now, um, people will say that's when he peaked. Hopefully, Evan Ferguson isn't. It doesn't go that way. And I know Aaron has gone on loan now to Hull, so hopefully he can, you know, get himself back scoring. And hopefully, all of our players. We've got a lot of good young players coming back from injury now. Adam Eda, Troy Parrott, Evan Ferguson. It'll be interesting to see our squad come come March. You know, especially because it's a, a whole new campaign. Does Kenny? you know, trust in these players. Could Andrew Moore break his way in? Could Joe Hodge break his way in and get capped? Um, and obviously then we know Nathan Collins has been performing very well at Premier League level. So yeah, look, everything is bode, uh, bodes well for the future right now. But it's been a really good week in terms of players stepping up to the plate uh, and young players as well. I don't remember the last time we've had so many young players kind of coming in in, in a group or in a week, sorry, um, as a group coming in and doing well. Yeah, I think you touched on, there is a lot to kind of get excited about. And as you say, like, even though it's still over two months away to Stephen Kenny's going to name that squad for the games against Latvia and France, there is a bit of a buzz of excitement. You touched on about a couple of players coming back. 
from injury and back into form. We'll touch on later with Derby County, but Jason Knight, I think, is one of, another one of them players that kind of falls into that kind of category as well. You know, he's kind of seemed to found his form again after a slow kind of start to the to the season. There was another player there whose name uh, just escaped me off the top of my head, but it might come back to me um, over time. But two players who did touch on as well that would have got plenty of line right over the weekend because they were the televised Saturday night game, uh, Wolves against Liverpool. Obviously, Liverpool fan had investment interest in this game as well. It's, it's not been easy for Liverpool the last, well, since the first ball of the season was kicked last August, to be brutally honest. Um, but uh, 2-2 draw on this one. I think even myself, I hold my hands up and miss Liverpool fan. Liverpool are very fortunate to get a replay. Um, I still struggle to see how Wolves terrible or that goal was disallowed. I find it quite embarrassing at this day and age, the amount of cameras and stuff like that that they couldn't, the VAR couldn't pick up a camera that could show a replay of why the goal was offside. Um, bit bizarre, but anyway. But from an Irish point of view as well, Nathan Collins and Joe Hodge. Nathan Collins obviously a regular in the in the Wolves team. I thought apart from that rash kind of clearance, and even you still look at it like it was just a little bit kind of headless, just kind of through a boot to without kind of realising or maybe looking up and stuff like that. But Wolves had had time to maybe get a little bit back in shape. Like he still gave the ball away in the opposition's half that like Wolves could have regrouped. So although at the end of the day it was a brilliant cross from Trent and it was a good finish from, from Darren Nunes, a rare Um But other than that, I thought he was absolutely brilliant. Like he was first to everything, but brilliant blocks, a lot of clearance headers. And, and I thought Joe Hodge as well, sitting in front of the defence as well, put a really good press in the midfield and looked solid. He's some player really kind of been one of the breakout players you could say this season. Um, I think that kind of on the train one game against Israel, he kind of really showed in the first leg what he's about. And ever since then, he's kind of got his chance for Wolves and he's kind of taken it. A lot of kind of tongue-in-cheek comments going around saying England are sniffing them. We need to cap him in March and stuff like that. Look, he is a talent. He is kind of quite young. I wouldn't be surprised if England are sniffing them. But it's one of those again. Look, if he wants to play for us, he'll play for us and everything else like that. But I think the way he's kind of going at the moment and he continues in that graph, he probably will be in, in the squad in March and there is a good chance they probably will play competitively at some stage over the course of the next couple of weeks and months. Yeah, well, I think if he's playing in Premier League and, he, and he's doing a good job like he did against Liverpool last night, I mean, Thiago was up against him and I thought he actually probably got the better of Thiago in the end. Um, yeah, 100%. So if he's able to put it up to Thiago, there's no reason why he can't come in and play against the France or the Netherlands. But I think he needs to be playing games every week like he played against Everton the other week done quite well in that game didn't have a whole lot to do but he seems to be kind of that player like he could be a player that it, if he's playing that allows Josh Cullen to be just a sitter um, or if Josh Cullen needs to take uh, you know sit out a game because he does pick up a lot of yellow cards then you have Joe Hodge that can actually come in there and play that position and show that he can play that position now so um, I don't think it's, it's going to be a benefit but he does need to get capped soon otherwise we're always going to have this uh, Declan Rice type talk about him so I think he does need to get in to the next squad if he can keep playing between now and, and obviously Mark because Stephen won't pick him just, just for the sake of uh, the fact that he could be linked with England the whole time he'll, he'll only pick him if he's actually performing and if he's performing in the Premier League then you have to pick him because he's performing at a higher standard to the likes of the year Jeff Hendricks and stuff like that and I'm saying that Malumbi's been excellent so far this season as well to his credit Yeah I think probably won't talk about Jason Romney much in this show today because he didn't really feature that much for West Brom in their 3-3 draw with Chesterfield but it's something kind of if we were to talk maybe last week or over the next couple of weeks but yeah I think that's probably the big thing that I've noticed about Jason Malumbi's performance this season there's the consistency we always know there's a player in him we always know there's talent there but he can kind of just be a little bit kind of 
rash and kind of just can kind of lack that consistency and sometimes can be a little bit kind of headless in some of his decision makings and stuff like that. But this season he really seems to knuckle down and got consistency and it's kind of bowled in as well with with West Brom um finding form as well the last couple of weeks. As I mentioned, it was the FA Cup third round, 32 ties is so much to kind of get through. So I might just kind of run down through who else did what from an Irish point of view and maybe we might stop and talk if there's anyone who's worth uh mentioning. And probably the first one yeah. to mention Whoop be on the lines because shown straight in for his Blackpool debut probably benefit from a couple of players being suspended they're struggling at the wrong ends of the table in the championship still wouldn't have been expected to be struggling in Premier League night and forest but they absolutely trashed him 4-1 and he got a 7.5 out of 10 rating uh, from Langside and saying he looked promising going forward and won a couple of free kicks and CJ Hamilton as well also got the score sheet it's been an up and down season for him but by God he took his goal really really well uh, yesterday that made a 3-0 he got a 7 out of 10 rating and overall, a very, very good day to remember for Blackpool. Trashing, you would say, a slightly informed Nottingham Forest 4-1. Yeah. Um, like I look at teams like Everton and Southampton and stuff like that. They're definitely performing better than those clubs in the Premier League. So um, you've got to say it's a brilliant result uh, as far as debuts go. It's a dream debut for him. And then CJ Hamilton obviously getting probably the, the goal of the game. Um, was probably the icing on the cake, and and you seen Andy Lyon celebrating with him. I think that was uh, it was nice to see. And Andy's a good lad. We've had a lot of dealings with him in the in the League of Ireland, and it's great to see him going over there now. And hopefully, this can be a, a little bit of a catapult for him now. So if he goes over there and he performs well, you know we don't have that many wing backs that we can uh, depend on that much. I mean, if you take Matt Doherty out of the team, we are quite struggling in that department. Ender Stevens getting on a little bit too. So, we do need new uh, wing-backs coming in there and I think, obviously, himself, Danny McNamara, uh, Ryan Manning and stuff like that. I think it's time for them now. There's there's an opportunity for them lads to step up. So, hoping that this will be uh, the start of, of, of seeing a few of them coming through and hopefully he keeps developing and if he does keep developing, he might get another move Um and you never know, you could see him in the Premier League. Um, I've seen Ronan Calvert, the, the guy who's in charge of um, Kenny's kids, he actually put out a, a picture of Seamus Coleman and his Blackpool kit and uh, just said it was quite reminiscent. So, yeah, you, you just never know in football. Yeah. But I, I'd like to think that uh, Andy could go on and do well. And, yeah, he's done well in Europe and, and obviously scored a lot of goals for Shamrock Rovers this season as well. So, um, I'm not surprised to see him make this step up but it is good to see so many League of Ireland players make the step up and I know Dan Mandreo got on the score sheet as well again for Lincoln uh, in a defeat to Charlton we'll probably come across that but um, it's good to see these players going going across and uh, I suppose making a name for themselves and, and you know trying to get their uh, careers going properly this time you know so so many of it's been stop start so let's hope now that this is an, an upward curve from all aspects, whether it's League One, Championship, Premier League, or whatever. Um, Ross Tierney scoring again today from Motherwell. He seems to only score worldies. So there's there's definitely green shoots uh, coming into the new year. Yeah, I should also have mentioned as well at the top show, we are going live, so don't be shy to get your comments and anything you want us to talk about or anything you want to bring up or anything else like that, we will discuss it over the comments. course. Yeah, comment. I actually, for some reason... Can't see them on my screen, so that's probably why I've ignored no, apologies there. So there's only two. Um, it says, uh, yeah. "Do you lads see the article in the Sunday Times saying Ferguson could play for England? Clickbait stuff. I thought he already got capped for Ireland in the last game. Oh, that was Norway. Where it was a friendly. So uh, yeah, he'll be in the squad come um, March. I'm not worried about that one bit. And then Dermot Lopez Productions says, "Is Jason Malumbi going to be the next Barry Quinn?" And then they're the only comment. 
so we'll move on. Nothing. There's only thing with uh, Evan Ferguson, and this I'm wrong in saying this, but I presume he was born in Ireland. So I don't see any Irish-born player ever. Irish. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't see any interest. No. Uh, but we're all about a lot of uh, League of Ireland, ex-League of Ireland players grabbing headlines over the weekend. And one that as well, they're probably a little bit under the radar because of Ferguson and Collins' performance and maybe Eddie McGuinness being part of Sheffield Wednesday's upset, but Thomas Almashera got the winner for Fleetwood Town as they overturned Champions League QPR 2-1 at home. A good Another finish as well. Took a well the... Yeah. Uh, Keane Hayes also started this game for Fleetwood while Jimmy John started and Simcar Armstrong came on for QPR. It's one of those, cause I remember when, when uh, Thomas Almashera first burst on the scene, I think the COVID season 2020, I used to cover a lot of balls games. You kind of give me a bit of a sagging, like you were kind of used to really talk him up and stuff like that. But I could just see from even them early glimpses, he looked like a player who had potential to go on and make it for himself in England. I'm not saying he was going to make it in the Premier League or Championship, but I said he, ha- he had the potential to go on and play in England. And while it has been a little bit of an up and down season from a Fleetwood, you have to say so far, first season in, adjusting to professional football from going from a part-time team. Fleetwood starting fresh with a new manager. You know, Scott Brown, his first gig and everything else like that. You kind of have to say he's done kind of quite well and, and still you would feel there's more for him to come as well. Um, Shane Long marked a rare start for Reading uh, by rounding off the scoring in their 2-0 win against fellow championship side uh, Watford yesterday. Another man that also got the score sheet in the FA Cup third round was Alan Brown. He completed the scoring for Preston as they came from a goal down to beat Huddersfield uh, 3-1. And also another good thing to see in this one was Robbie Brady came on as a late substitute in this game. So that marks his return from injury. He hasn't kicked the ball since that friendly game against Norway back in November. Something I also alluded to earlier in the show, uh, Thomas O'Connor was among the scorers, excuse me, as non-league Wrexham dumped out championship commentary 4-3. He got a third goal in that game. Anthony Ford and Liam McIrland uh, were also introduced in the second half for the winning side. Uh, Aaron Connolly made his debut for Hull City. He came on midway through the second half but couldn't avoid uh, his new side going down 2-0 at home to Fulham. Sean McLaughlin also started that game for the Tigers. Uh, on Friday night, Seamus Coleman played 80 minutes as Everton uh, went out of the FA Cup following their 3-1 defeat to Manchester United. Uh, Sean Williams captain Gillingham for their clash versus Leicester City, but despite a brave effort from the League 2's bottom side, still went down 1-0 to the 2021 champions. Ronan Curtis came out as a late substitute for Portsmouth, but still couldn't prevent their exit. It was in 1-0 away to Tottenham. Uh, Matt Doherty was an unused substitute in that game, but I wouldn't be too worried. He had a game to remember uh, capping off a a very fine game Wednesday night at Spurs by Crystal Palace 4-0 by getting the third goal in that game. He's got a good run of consistent the Spurs team again and is getting a good bit of form, which is good to see. Kevin Bazzino was between the posts as Portsmouth, or not Portsmouth, as Sahanton put their league goals behind them to overcome fellow Premier League outfit uh, Crystal Palace 2-1 away from home. Aidan O'Brien, Killian Phillips and Jordan Shipley all started in Shrewsbury's 2-1 defeat uh, home to Killian's Sunderland. Debut, I think, so yeah, that's correct. Yeah, that was one of them that actually went on the radar. I wasn't actually aware that he actually moved on loan until I was just doing my research for this. But good to see he did play in the League Cup game for for Crystal Palace there in the season. Got good praise from Patrick Vieira. But I think at his young, tender age, still 18, 19, to go from to go down the leagues, getting a further taste of men's football, following on from his time with Drottle and, and help kick on as a player. Uh, Joe quickly played 76 minutes of Chesterfield's dramatic 3-3 draw with West Brom, as we alluded to earlier. Darrell Shea and Jason Lumbry both came off the bench for the visitors in that game. Uh, Mark Travers conceded four goals as Bournemouth on the wrong side of a six-goal thriller against Burnley, losing that one 4-2 as per usual. Josh Cullen started for Burnley. And it was good to see Luke McNally came on just before half-time this game. One of Burnley's regular centre-backs went off injured 
So just McNally's fourth appearance this season. So who knows? It could be maybe the start of, of a breakthrough and a bit of a run of games uh, for the former St. Pat's player. Richard Kyo gave away a penalty for Ipswich, but it was still a day to remember for the Tractor Boys as they hammered Rotherham 4-1. So a bit of a mini upset there. Uh, League One taking out Championship. Marcus Harness also came on for the winners, uh, while Peter Chiesel and Chinozi Ogbeni featured for Rotherham in that game. Uh, John Egan and Stevens of Sheffield United got the better of Dan McNamara's Millwall 2-0 uh, they've been on a brilliant brilliant run of form this season Sheffield United looking like themselves and Burnley look pretty good at this early stage to get automatic promotion Baron collapse and Egan is showing once again why he's so harsh and crucial of Stephen Kenny's outfit he's having a fantastic season uh, Seamus Kennedy captain Ackerton Stanley as they will have to make do with a replay as they're drawing 1-1 against last season's surprise package Boreham Wood uh, on Saturday afternoon Louis Watson, Luton Town, James McLean and Will Keane Wigan all features at the respective sites must do it all again after a 1-1 draw uh, at Kenworth Road so Wigan will have home advantage for the replay and finally just from the FA Cup this is from yesterday I didn't get a chance to do any of today's notes uh, Gavin Houlihan started for Grimsby as they saw off Burton Albion 1-0 for whom Corey Nabda uh, started for the losing team and I suppose I also actually forgot to mention as well but we have touched on a little bit as well it was the Saturday 6 o'clock game yesterday on BBC. But uh, a brilliant, brilliant performance by uh, Mark McGuinness and a day to remember and a, and a real proper upset as Sheffield Wednesday of League One took out Premier League Newcastle and it was a very, it was still a very strong Newcastle side. Yeah, a fantastic result and um, a, a good, I suppose, a good occasion to to show what you can do in terms of Mark McGuinness. Um, yeah, uh, Squawk actually released a, a, a good few stats out Pull them up actually because we share them. Um, let's pull them up there as quick as I can. Uh, just while I'm there, so he had yeah. Here we go. Um, 100% aerial duels, 114 clearances, nine headed clearances, uh, six possession, one five aerial duels, four shots blocked, and one interception, and one man mountain. The comments are coming crashing in there as well about Evan Ferguson. I'll come to that in a minute, but uh. Yeah, really solid performance against a Newcastle side that are flying in the Premier League. And um, I love the FA Cup. I, I'm a bit of an old romantic in that sense. I, I do love um, the cup upsets. The Aston Villa were, were bumped out by Stevenage today. Um, I'm not sure if Daryl Horgan played that one, but I know he signed a loan for them. Um, but they were beaten 2-1 as well. So I love the old giant killings. Um, it's great to see, you know, because you love that bit of drama in terms of you know the underdogs <clears throat> getting a, a result against the bigger team so yeah great to see um chef for sheffield wednesday and yeah mark mcginnis as well good way to put him on the map uh but he needs to do it on a more consistent basis now um but yeah the other comments are that uh kevin o says that paul rowan was saying today in i think it's the sunday times that um Lee Carsley is tracking Evan Ferguson because his mother has an English passport and that uh, he could be potentially taking him to the English setup, which I think is a lot of nonsense. I think I don't see him playing for anyone other than Ireland. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then Sean O'Donovan says, so, so Lee Carsley is tracking Evan Ferguson for England while the FAI are tracking Lee Carsley to manage Ireland. Yeah. That's one bit of a head scratcher. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just can't see how anyone who's ever born in this island would ever have any interest in playing for England. Yeah, well, especially well, if someone who comes from. Sorry, go on. Like I know, if, if I would say, like, as in someone, as in like someone who comes from a strong Irish family, for instance, like 
my club of family was born here, obviously doesn't come from a mass Irish background. But in the case of Eric Ferguson, as you said, that his dad is is Irish. I will took for granted his mother's English or his Irish. Maybe she's Irish, just carries an English passport from her mother's the rest of the family. I don't know, but I I just think the same as you. I just think that's rubbish, and I think that was just to fill up space in the paper today. Yeah, well, he's just saying that uh, Kevin O says, I know uh, I was surprised to see it was written by Paul Rowan. Usually he is well informed or very informed on international football. And um, Simon Campbell was asking, do you think Jason Knight will get a move in January? I don't think so because I think Derby said if they sell him, they can't replace him. So I think they'd be mad to get rid of him um, without getting up into the championship and then going, okay, we can get rid of him and maybe bring in some funds to get some players in the summer. So that's what I reckon will happen with Knight. But again, he was on the score sheet today and so was James Collins. And um, yeah, good for them. And I hope they continue to do well. Uh, any other comments? Simon Campbell says, "Think Kenny needs to take a look at Hodge if he stays in the Wolves squad and get more gets more game time. Howrahan should be shouldn't be in the next squad, and Hendrick is probably a bench option at best this stage." Um, and then Tim Jenkins says, "It seems Brighton are searching for all the young talent around the UK and Ireland." And then he says, "It makes sense post Brexit." And then Brian says. Hodge has to be called up next window. We are desperate in midfield. Hopefully Kenny gives himself in small bone game time. Wouldn't count on it after the Malta game though. Yeah, I'm I'm I'd I'd like to say, I, I kinda worry about Smallbone a little bit just purely to the fact that Southampton is struggling in the Premier League and he can't even get into that team. And I know he finished last season really strongly, but it would worry me that he can't get into a Southampton squad that are struggling. Is he is he still not alone with at Stoke or is that loan up? Yeah, but that's what I mean. So like the the fact that he was oh I get you sorry yeah 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 uh, yeah, yeah. couldn't be stuck stuck around kind of worries me in the sense that they didn't think he was ready uh, to come in. Maybe it's it's you know to help his development. I don't know, but I just thought it was a bit strange. Yeah, considering he does have a bit of Premier League experience from previous seasons with them, but again, he did pick up a pretty serious injury. I think around this time two years ago, to say maybe it's just. Let him go off lower level. Slight was still of a, of a good intensity championship, but where he's guaranteed to get that regular game time and just kind of get him up to scratch. But as you say, the hands are having a, are having a pretty desperate season. I think unless there's a drastic turnaround there, they look like themselves they're going to be a championship club next season. Yeah, they could well be joined by Everton at this stage. But anyway, let's move on. Well, it's actually just one thing. I'm not trying to rain uh, kick a man who's down, but just on Everton. Uh, I didn't actually see the game Friday because I was at a funeral and I was tied up with a few things. But how did Seamus Coleman perform when he was on the pitch for the 80 minutes? Very well. He actually he was unlucky not to be involved in a assist for the second goal. He made a really, really um, brilliant run. It was like a, the ball got flicked out wide. I think it was uh, Calvert-Lewin and then a ball to Gray. And then literally Coleman ran straight through the middle like a centre-forward and obviously realised he hadn't got the legs. So he cut a lovely ball out to Damari Gray, but he was like literally like a baby toe offside. And Gray continued on with the run, ran into the box, crossed the ball in, hit Calvert-Lewin. He scored. The VAR ruled it out for offside basically for that. So. He would have had a, a a brilliant goal involvement, in my opinion. And other than that, he thought he done well. He's probably struggled once against Rashford. Um, that led to a goal as well. But I think most players would struggle with Rashford, the form he's in at the moment. Yeah. Um. Yeah. yeah so, so he was. It was a better performance by Everton than obviously against Brighton. So it was a bit of a reaction. You know, the scoreline doesn't really show that, but there was a point where it probably could have been two one if if Demary Gray holds his run by a millisecond. 
Yeah, I think it's I think Pereira was struggling against Marcus Rashford the form he's in at the moment. I did also hear by all accounts it was an improved performance and everything. I think they actually got applauded from the fans after the game. So definitely they've seen more signs of encouragement than the previous outing against uh Brighton. So that pretty much wraps up the FA Cup. Just well, want to run speak through about Joel Bagan other... and his, his Luis Suarez yes, who impression. Got, who got sent off today as Cardiff blew a two goal lead against uh Leeds. Uh that one two two, so that's to make do with a replay there. Again, didn't see it today. Big missed opportunity for the Championship strugglers. Um, Callum Dowda was on the bench. I'm not sure if he came on. Callum Robinson did, wasn't yeah. involved. I think he was in involved in the last goal when he scored. Yeah. I think uh, they were saying on the telly that uh, he might have he kept one of the players on side. Um, I wasn't watching the replay yeah. in depth, but uh, I did see Joel Bagan's uh, handball. It was a good save, to be fair. Um, and he probably thought that he'd rescued a win for, for Cardiff and he got sent off. But yeah, I love that kind of shit shithousery. So... Joel, if you're watching, I know you follow us on Instagram. Good man. I love that stuff. It's very much welcome this, on this on this channel. Just for she hosts you in general football is very much welcome on this channel. So um yeah, just gonna run through any other little bits of Irish involvement from League One, League Two and Scotland, just quickly go through it. So as Paul alluded to earlier, Daniel Mandrillo got his fourth goal of the season for Lincoln and his first since October, but still wasn't enough as they lost two one away to Charlton Athletic. Uh the only news of note in League Two was Stephen McLaughlin and Stephen Quinn were both among the scores from Mansfield, but the Stags still suffered a 3-2 defeat at home to Barrow. And then in Scotland, uh, Liam Scales played every second, and Johnny Hayes played the last 30 minutes as Jim Goodwin's Aberdeen got back to winning ways, their first win in six games, seeing off uh, St. John'son 2-0 at home. Alan Power and Kilmarnock, Alan Power once again captain Kilmarnock, as they suffered an expected 2-0 defeat away to tabletop for Celtic yesterday, who uh, had opened up a 12-point lead. Back to nine points now after Rangers 2-0 win away to Dundee United today. Uh, Charlie Dunn and Joe O'Shaughnessy both played 90 minutes as St. Mirren's drew 1-1 home against Hearts. And as we alluded to there today, Hibs uh, bet Motherwell 3-2 with plenty of Irish involvement in that one. Aidan uh, McGeady uh, got an assist for Hibs for the opening goal and as Paul Luther, Ross Tierney came off the bench and scored an absolute cracker as well in that game for Motherwell but still it wasn't enough. Um, that one, not sure if Jamie McGrath featured in that game for Dundee you're not just heard the result from that one but that is all uh, I have for the rest the of comments, yeah that's that's all I have as I have to uh, add to this week's Irish Broad Show in terms of Irish involvement yeah well hang on we just will run through just before we go we, we'll run through some of the comments because there's a lot, of, a lot of comments flying yeah. in there now which is good to see so keep the comments coming in for the next maybe 5 or 10 minutes we'll, we'll stay on if, if there's no comments we'll go Um uh, some of the going there. Uh, let me just get one sec. Uh, pop out. Right. Uh, so, actually, Brian comes up with a good. Brian says, um, it was about Ryan Manning. Where is it gone? He said, Brian. Brian has, uh, says he needs some answers on his Ryan uh, Manning exclusion. Bizarre. I think that was for the last round of games, and I do think that was a bit bizarre. Um, to be fair to you, Brian, but we won't really go into too much on that. He was following on from his comment saying that Hodge had to be called up and same with Smallbone. Um, Cormac O'Brien is joining us in the comments, a regular um, commenter and a regular viewer. How are you, Cormac? Happy New Year! And uh, he says, "How's it? How's it, lads? Twenty twenty three seems to be full of exciting stuff for Irish players so far. Hopefully, it continues." 
And then um, Kevin O says, Joel Bagan needs to be looked at for left back. Can't be Chanson, James, McLean against France and Holland. Joel Bagan, Ryan Manning, yeah, I think they're the future. I'd have Robbie Brady maybe, maybe pushed up if he's fit. Um, not playing defence. I think he was shown against, was it Norway? Um, that uh, if you put him up against a pacey player, he'll struggle. Um, yeah. Cormac, again, he says, maybe it's already been said, but I hope Ronan goes to a solid championship side. Um, I suppose if you want to talk about that, Jer, and I'll have the, lo- the rest of the comments loaded up. Yeah, I was actually just saying that's one of my mates there. Um, there earlier today, I was kind of was optimistic and was hopeful enough when he was going to come on and feature us at one stage yesterday. And I thought it was going to happen with Wolves making that triple substitution after the second half. It is disappointing because I think you know we have seen glimpses of him in train one shot what he can offer. Um, is even as well in St. Mary. It's one of those well, we're not exactly stacked for a kind of competition in terms of kind of an advance and attacking midfield or kind of number ten kind of roles. So I kind of feel. If he can go on loan, start getting regular first-team football, he's at that stage now where he's 24, he's going to be 25 later this calendar year. He needs to be playing regular football. And he can't just be satisfied just because he's with a Premier League club, but he's sitting on the bench. Like I said, he has got a bit about him. I do think he can go down to the Championship, maybe lower-level Championship, maybe even if it's League One, doesn't really kind of matter. At least then he's getting game time. He's then going to be more likely than Stephen Kenny's kind of radar and kind of possibly a good possibility of of featuring then. Just one other thing that just popped into my head there, Paul, when you were just kind of talking, some people there talk about Will Smallbone, and you're kind of saying you're a little bit kind of worried with Sahantum kind of struggling, and he's not really kind of featuring the radar there. But the same I kind of apply as well for Conor Coventry. I was disappointed. One, he didn't start yesterday. Two, didn't come on. Now, look, I can see where David Moyes is coming from. West Ham are really struggling. They probably just need some sort of win to get momentum and confidence. And I do think it's a case of while West Ham are a poor position at the table, I do think you look at their team, they are better than that. They probably are slightly underperforming this season. So you probably can see why Comer Commentary is maybe a little bit more further down the radar um, at West Ham than with Smallbone is at Southampton. Mm, and you probably put uh, Quivy and Kelleher in that bracket as well. In terms of players, yeah. they probably have to leave their club now to get any sort of game time because I'm sure Kelleher is looking at the qualifiers in March and saying, this could be an opportunity for me to play. Um, you know, people are saying, I haven't seen much of Bazunu this season to turn around and say that he was struggling. I know he saved a penalty for Mitrovic last week, but I did see the goal. There was a bit of a scramble. I thought that was more to the defender's fault than his fault. Um, but he, you know, he made up for it by making the save. So Travers is doing well enough with Bournemouth as well. Um, so, you you may even argue that Travers is the informed goalkeeper coming into this international window, you know what I mean? But again, we're in January here, a lot can change in the two months between now and then. But um, I just think that if, was, if I was Kelleher, I'd be looking going, if I can get out now, there's a good opportunity for me there to potentially um, get in and establish myself at a club as a number one. And internationally as number one as well because I think you're probably looking at them and you probably say they're at the same level Bazunu and, and Kelleher and Stephen Kenny thinks that they're a level above Travers I think most people will agree on that and I know I've kind of gone off topic because it was originally on Conor Ronan and uh, Will Smallbone and Conor Coventry but I think Coventry will leave in January I think he'll go on loan or he, I think this will be his last loan and then he'll probably move somewhere permanently. I wouldn't mind seeing him go back to maybe MK Dons again or if he could go to a championship side, brilliant. But um, yeah, uh, 
I think uh, some Nathan Fitzpatrick just said in the comments that Kelleher could easily start at Leicester, much better than Ward. So that that is a, yeah. a good club for him that he could go to. Just a matter yeah, of how much he'd be. Yeah, because it's one of those timelines. But I think it is got stage. Even you kind of thought surely yes again. Maybe I know Cop is looking at point two where Liverpool are really struggling and just again needed something to kind of get confidence and morale kind of going. But you still kind of felt this was the opportunity for him to get kind of game time. Liverpool are now out of the out of the, out of the League Cup. He's not going to play in the Champions League given the stage that's kind of at so far and injuries to Kelleher. Very, very unlikely he's going to feature for Liverpool again this season. So I think from and again he's at that stage where he's coming into his mid twenties, he needs to be kind of moving on. As you say, the number one position for Ireland it's it's it still is up for grabs. You wouldn't say it's a standout clear number one yet, although Bazuno hasn't really ever put a foot wrong on the green shirt, but Kenny has shown that he's willing to give opportunities and chances. Um, for places for competition, so you do feel that if Keller can get that move, gets two months on his belt, gets solid go two months on his belt, that he could be the man between the posts and the number wearing the number one jersey for that France game day of the match. Yeah, well, I think um, I think we'll leave it at that. We're coming to forty minutes, uh, nearly there. So Super. yeah, uh, let us know your thoughts in the comments, and if Jer wants to say anything there to finish off, feel free. No, I think we've we've covered it all like said, we've gone through there. It was overall, since we kind of res- resumed doing the Irish abroad show to start before Christmas, I would say it's probably the most encouraging kind of week. I would definitely give you a lot of hope, a lot of optimism going into 2023, but we're only eight days into it yet. We won't get too carried away just yet. Yeah. So, yeah, it's great to have people commenting and, and we're going to try and do this at the same time every week. So if you can, try and keep half eight most Sundays um, and we'll have the show going out then hopefully live if we can't do it live we'll try and have it recorded and out for this time most weeks so yeah and uh, don't forget to leave your thoughts in the comments obviously after the video if there's anything that we spoke about and you want to discuss with us and uh, don't forget to like the video and don't forget to subscribe